Well, can you feel that? That is hope in the air. Here we are, Friday, June the 12th, and it's hope in the air for everybody that's not in the GTHA in Niagara that uh, we're coming out of this. As we enter into phase two of the reopening of the province and province-wide today, as of today, our gatherings just got a little bigger. So whether you're in the GTHA or the uh, Niagara region, you might not be able to open up to go get your hair cut or, or, you know, open up a swimming pool, a public swimming pool. But what you can do is you can increase your social group to 10 people. Now, that's with safe physical distancing. And uh, unless you live with those people, you have to still keep that distance. But I don't want to look over to what they're doing over there. But in Newfoundland and Labrador, they're actually expanding their bubbles. They're doing the double bubble. That's how far ahead of us they are with reopening. Basically, the double bubble is something that we hope to get to. And this is something that, uh, according to our uh, chief medical officer of health, Dr. David Williams, he said this on Monday, that we are strongly looking at how bubbling can be applied here because it's good for social well-being and mental health. If you've got somebody else in your bubble, if you've expanded your bubble to the double bubble, you could touch those people. I mean, there's still risk, but y- you know, presumably you're still hugging your kids. You're still hugging your partner. So this would be bringing uh, another group into your bubble, essentially doubling the bubble. And it's also fun to say, I think. So we brought Chris Bow on. He's a mathematician from the University of Waterloo, who you have heard on the program before. I think, Chris, last time we spoke, you were working on um, uh, using social media to track outbreaks. Uh, that's right, Kelly. Yeah, thanks for having me again. Well, thanks for having you on. Or thanks for being here. Thanks for participating. Thanks for being on the show. <laughs> wow. Okay. Now that I've, uh, I think I've regained my uh, mental clarity, let's move on, shall we? Let's talk about double bubbles, because I know that you um, have been looking at some of the recently published information on models, comparing strategies and increasing contact post lockdown as we come out of this COVID situation. So what is your take on bubbling? Can it be done safely? And what are the other strategies we're looking at? Yeah, so I think double bubbling can be very safe. Uh, if it's done properly, like like for everything else that you know we talk about in in pandemic mitigation, so um, and and the reason that double bubbling can can work is, is essentially that um, essentially the, the, if you if you're keeping all of your close contacts within this double bubble with, within your family and uh, or, or your household and the other group that that you've chosen to form a bubble with. Um, then, you know, the only way the infection can come in is, is if one of the members of the bubble gets infected. And hopefully that doesn't happen as long as people are maintaining their physical distancing when they go to the supermarket, um, <clears throat> if, they walk, when they, if they're washing their hands when they go out, etc. cetera. Um, so the, the allure is that it allows you to have some kind of social normalcy um, without increasing the infection risk too much, uh, as long as... Uh, people um, um, adhere to the requirements for a safe double bubble. And what are the requirements for a safe double bubble? Well, a big one is that you can't really change it. (laughs) So you're kind of committed to your double bubble for the rest of the pandemic. Um, And of course, the reason is if people do change their double bubbles, well, 
Uh, imagine people changed every week. Well, you know, that's just like going back to normal again, having a dinner party with somebody else every week, right? Uh, and, and that means that the infection can jump from, from one group to the other uh, very rapidly. Um, so, so that's one important thing is that the, you, you can't change your double-bubble over time. Um, and, of course, the other thing is, is, as I mentioned before, you know, that all the members of the bubble have to be uh, even more um, you know, careful with, with their contacts outside the bubble. You know, if they do participate in a group of 10, then they've got to maintain their physical distancing. Uh, they should wear masks. Uh, if they're going to be in an area where um, um, they'll be close to other people, like imagine a, um, a smaller shop with crowded aisles, uh, for example, where you can't actually stay six feet apart very easily, etc. So, so all the members of the bubble have to continue being you know, very strict about um, reducing their contacts and doing their physical distancing outside of the bubble. So if you are one of those people that have been really smart about flattening the curve, if you've been really diligent about hand hygiene, you don't want to pick somebody who's lax because they could possibly put you at, at risk because it's sort of like entering into a committed relationship. You've, you, you're entering into an agreement that you both are going to see this relationship um, and you're going to play by the same rules. But if you've got a partner that's out maybe expanding their bubble, uh, you might have a cheater on your hands. You've got to you've got to pick very carefully. Yeah, there's a lot of analogies with with you know uh, individual relationships, like as you pointed out. And uh, you know we're not at the point of bubbling yet in Ontario, but when it comes, then then potential bubble mates or whatever you want to call them, they could have this discussion. You know, what are your precautions when you go shopping? Uh, when do you wear a mask? Um, uh, do your kids sing the happy birthday song twice when they wash their hands? These are all important discussions to have. Yeah. And they're also awkward discussions to have. And I guess that's yeah. the fear. It's sort of like, are you ready for the bubbling? Well, you have to be ready for those awkward conversations with people you're ready to bubble. And the other question I have about the bubbling is, you know, how do you pick without offending people? There's all kinds of uh, ramifications to uh, choosing your bubble correctly. You could really um, upset someone who wanted to extend their bubble to you. And you're like, well, no, I wanted to bubble with this person. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, I guess different people have to do that in different ways. Um, um, it, it's, uh, it's kind of a, it's unprecedented in terms of a, kind of a social model of interaction. You know, we have, you know, marriage has been around for a long time and you have discussions about these things before marriage, you know. Uh, but social bubbles are totally new. So um, I think these types of issues will come up and many other ones that are completely um, we've never seen them before because people have never had to have these types of discussions. Um, but yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, like in my case, for example, there's two families that we might bubble with if, if we, if we had the opportunity, uh, and I'm really not sure which ones we would pick or, or if they even feel the same way. And it, it could be awkward to, um, to bring it up. Um, uh, so that's the, downside. yeah, that's the, that is an awkward thing. What if they don't feel the same way? You go to invite yeah. someone into your bubble. That could really affect a friendship. That could really affect a family relationship. It could do, yeah. But I think a lot of people are understanding, um, at least I hope a lot of people are understanding about it. Uh, and I guess the main difference between, like, rejecting someone in a, in a, in a, personal, in a personal relationship is that, um, you know, maybe there's, there's more than one person involved and you could, you could say, well, you know, it's complicated and, and you know, we talked to our family members and maybe that would soften the blow a little bit is if you, you know, remind the other 
people that it's a group decision, right? And it's and it's um, uh, it's and there are other factors at play. I mean, that could help too. You know, you really are a mathematician, and we've really been talking about um, sociology here and the and the problems here that could arise from double bubbling. But when you talk about um, the modeling. What are the other strategies that they, you know, that have been compared to bubbling in the modeling that don't seem to work as well as bubbling? Um, yeah, so the there haven't been many models of this process, but there's there's one uh, good one that's been published. Uh, and, and you know, as you mentioned, I'm, I'm a mathematician and, and my job is to create models of disease spread. And, and so I think a lot about you know, transmission in populations. So what this paper did was um, it, it, it compared, it said, let's suppose uh, you, you have different ways of reducing contacts. So you can reduce contacts by having more contacts, uh, you know, inside your bubble instead of going outside of a bubble. Or you can reduce contacts by, you know, across the board by physical distancing. Uh, and they compared the same amount of reduction for you know, physical distancing versus bubbling, uh, and they found that on a on a per contact case, in other words, for every contact that you reduce, uh, the bubbling can prevent a lot more infection. Now that doesn't mean that physical distancing isn't useful, um, because the kind of physical distancing we're doing is is you know it's it's widespread across the entire population, and that's why it's working. What it is saying is that bubbling is kind of, it's, it's efficient. It's an efficient way of changing your contact patterns. So instead of having, you know, hugs and handshakes with, with people in the general population or maybe, you know, a different person every week, if you kind of repeat those contacts in your bubble, it's less dangerous. And that kind of makes intuitive sense because, uh, you know, if you're, if you're having those repeated contacts within your bubble uh, and if, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're not exposing yourself um, mm-hmm. um, if there's a, if there's a virus there, you're only exposing yourself once over and over again, but it's only once. Whereas if you kind of have, have, have handshakes, uh, or, or you hug people more broadly, then you're exposing yourselves to, to many more possible sources of the virus. So and I would imagine if you have the double bubble, uh, intact, then you're going to need less exposure to more people because your needs are being met within that bubble. Yeah, exactly. It's a kind of, um, behavioral feedback, which is very important. Uh, and that we have to think about when we implement policies. You know, we have to think about you know, will they be, will they actually be adopted? Will people resist them? Uh, how will they react? And the you know that's one of the great things about it is the fact that um, it kind of gives you a, a relatively safe way of engaging in a normal uh, social interaction.